Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us over in Appleton and Stevens Point. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning at Celebration Church. Again, uh, greetings to our campuses over in Appleton, Stevens Point. Good morning to you guys, as well as all the people who watch us on television and northern half of Wisconsin, and all the people online, even right now, uh, all over the world joining in. Hi to Tarista from Clearwater, Desiree from down under in New Zealand. Pretty cool, huh? Who else we got? Tammy in Kansas City. Anna from Ohio. Lori from South Dakota. They're all over the place. Last service we had them in Eastern Europe and stuff like that, which is it's just fun to watch. The, there's thousands of people that uh, watch these clips every week, and it's, it's fun to see that. Uh, actually, I'm going to be coming to Eastern Europe. I just found out this last week. I mean, coming to the Czech Republic. Uh, and I think it's like the third week in July. You can check out my website, markunger.com, and find out about that. All you checks out there, come in, check it out. All right, so, uh, <laughs> yes, he is that lame. Uh, before we get going, I want to uh, welcome, we're, we're sending a missions group out uh, from the church for, they're going to be going, leaving Saturday for El Salvador, El Salvador, which means the Savior, El Salvador. They're going to drill some fresh wells, water wells. We have some of the guys here. Yeah, come on up here. We usually have somebody from all the different campuses. This time it was just guys from the Green Bay campus, but we're also one family, and maybe next time we get more of you guys from uh, uh, Stevens Point and Appleton. This particular group is very youth-oriented, as you can tell, so we're excited about them going over and uh, ministering to these people, putting them to work for Jesus. Let's all stand together, everybody, even over at Appleton, Stevens Point. And let's send some prayers this way for them as they head out. Father, we thank you for these young men and women. We ask you, Lord, that you would surround them with your grace. Prepare the way before them. Uh, Traveling mercies we ask for. Protect them as they go out. And God, use them to bless these people in all their efforts. God, we know that people's lives will be touched for eternity because of what they're going to be doing on this trip. But Lord, I pray that you would touch them as they do this. And this will change them as they decide to sacrifice and to work and to put others first. I pray you just fill them with great joy and great blessings and continue to use them for the kingdom and bring them home safely to us here, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Woo-hoo. If you see them out in the foyer, go up there, shake their hands, slip them a hundred bucks or something. I'm serious. A 20, a five, something. How you doing? We used to call it a Pentecostal handshake. So, Ooh, money. Cool. Um, 
this is actually our Mission Sunday. Um, at the end of the service, we'll be taking a separate offering just for missions. This is money that goes all over the world to help people. Uh, take a look at our missions report for today. Here we are. We're already $10,000 over where we were at this time last year. So praise the Lord for that. Good morning from Moldova. Where's Moldova? I didn't know there was a Moldova. Crimea. Hi. Sorry. All right. Um, put that away. That'll distract me. Shut it off. Okay. Um, and this morning, finally, at all our campuses, we have now available the uh, couples book, or the, uh, the book for singles, uh, particularly written to single women. It's called Being Found with that ridiculous cover. Uh, <laughs> which I'm, I'm mocking them in this thing. So, um, But, uh, you know, this idea of this over-romanticized nonsense. It's not about that. It's about being intentional. Everybody say intentional. Yeah. Marriage happens on purpose. Everything in life happens intentionally. Don't sit around and wait for, you know, things just to happen magically. Uh, Christian Woman's Guide to Marriage. If you uh, are a single woman of any age, you really should get this and read this book. It's a very easy read and gives you insight into the practical teaching of the scriptures on how to approach this thing called marriage, uh, to learn about it, even if you're not interested in getting married, so you can share it with others. If you have daughters, you should get them this book. If you have granddaughters of dating age, you should get them this book. Get some good information into them and stop the cycle of crazy. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Who wants this one? Who said me? Well, come here. Come get it. Come and get it. Here you go. Ta-da. All right. Sorry for you guys over in Appleton Stevens Point. I can't throw that far. All right. Uh, what else am I talking about? Oh, in Appleton. We are doing a Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage event in Appleton. A good location for the campuses in Point and Green Bay. It's an easy trip going to there. Um, and a date opened up, so we decided to take March 24th and 25th. We're going to do one of our Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage events there. Um, typically, it's a Friday night, Saturday morning, part one and part two. This one, we're going to do Friday night, Saturday night, part one and part two. So 7 to 10 Friday night, 7 to 10 on uh, Saturday night. Uh, very limited seating. You know, it's not a really big venue. But if you want to come, uh, check that out. Some of you have never been to one of these things. You really should come. And even those of you who have, if you know somebody, you think a couple, some friends that could be helped with this, invite them. One of the strongest ways that we have actually built this church is by doing these conferences over and over again. You'd think, I think people are sick of it already. They've seen it a million times, but they haven't. It's amazing. A lot of you haven't even seen it all. So come, invite some friends, bring them. It's a great way to introduce them to Celebration Church and what we're doing because uh, it's just a low, safe, non-threatening thing about relationships, and it's a lot of fun, okay? March 24th, 25th. Check it out. Okay, now, we are in a series of uh, messages called The Significant Events of the Old Testament. And uh, we're teaching these things because they're important to know, to understand why we are here and how we got here in the first place. Now, we started with the very first part of Genesis. We got the accounts of the creation, Adam and Eve, the fall, uh, the flood of Noah, uh, the Tower of Babel. Uh, and then we get to Abraham, and from Abraham there, we go on and uh, we, we track the uh, birth of the nation of Israel, 
the Jews, and then that's where Jesus comes and how we have the message that we have today. Now, a lot of times people think the early part of Genesis is just a bunch of made-up stories and stuff like that. And, of course, scientists give us a lot of grief over it, but they can't prove their theories anymore either. But this is more than just some random account in the beginning. It's really fascinating. Actually, let's start in uh, Luke, the third chapter. So we're starting the New Testament to talk about the Old Testament, okay? Luke, the third chapter. Luke is writing the story of Jesus, describes the birth of Jesus. And now in chapter 3, he's talking about the ministry of Jesus. And we pick it up at verse 23. Luke says this, now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, because he was actually not of Joseph. Mary was a virgin. He's a son of God. But it's all of Joseph. Joseph, uh, where did Joseph come from? Well, Joseph was the son of Heli, the son of Matat, Levi, Melchi, Janai, Joseph, Mattathias, Amos, Nahum, Elsie, Nagai, if you're looking for names for your babies, here you go. Math, Matthias, Simeon, Josek, Joda, Joanna, Reza, Zerubbabel, there's a winner. Uh, Shealtiel, Neri, Melki, Adi, Cosman. Now, all these keep going back and back and back and back. And they kept very detailed. The Bible, the Old Testament is stunning. The Jewish nation is the only group in the world that literally can track itself all this time. They really kept track of who, who was who. And there's parts of the Old Testament when you're reading this, you just want to pour sand in your eyes, you know, they're, you know, talking so-and-so was the father, so-and-so, and they're in these. They'll tell you how old they were when they gave birth to the next male and how long, long they lived and how the next male, how old he was when the next one was born. I mean, it's tracked in great detail, as you can see. Uh, we get all the way down to verse 29. Joshua, Eleazar, Joram, Matat, Levi, Simeon, Judah, Joseph, uh, Jonam, Eliakim, Melia, Mena, Matata, and Akuna Matata. And uh, <laughs> can you say these stupid names? Nathan, there's a name I can say. And David, yes, we can say David, hallelujah. Now, this is King David. This is the guy who killed Goliath. He's the great king of Israel, all right? So we know this is accurate. David is an absolute scientific historical fact. David, the king of it, the great king. And this is the line from David all the way up to Joseph. They know exactly who was the next son and who was the next son. It was all recorded in detail. They track this stuff intensely. Uh, and again, you can read it all in the Old Testament. It's very, very well recorded. And I said a lot of it's just miserable to read, actually. So, uh, and then, uh, so David has a son, Nathan, who eventually is a great-great-great-granddaddy of Joseph. But David also had a son, Solomon, who was a great-great-great-daddy of Mary. They're both. They trace them eventually back to David. That's why when you read in the New Testament, they'll often call out to Jesus, Jesus, son of David. Why do they call him? Because everybody knew. It was a big stinking deal, okay? When you can trace your lineage all the way back to David, you know, so this family was a line of David. Remember uh, when they had to do the uh, census, you know, Christmas time, and he had to go back to Bethlehem, that's where Jesus was born, because that was the city of David. That's where their ancestors have come. So this is all new. People knew this stuff. Um, so we know that's accurate, but let's continue back. It was also tracked. David was the son of Jesse, Obed, Boaz. That's the story of Ruth and Boaz. Uh, I read about that in this singles book, Being Found. 
Boaz was the son of Salmon, then Nashem, Amimbadad, Ram, Hezron, Perez, Judah, Jacob, Isaac. Those sound familiar. Why? Because they come from Abraham, which is where we are right now. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's name was eventually turned to Israel. He had 12 sons, and they became the 12 tribes of Israel. This is absolutely tracked all the way back. So we know back to Abraham. And not only do we know the Jews tracked it back, Arabs also tracked their lineage all the way back to Abraham. So we've got two whole totally different cultures. All of it recorded all the way back to Abraham. This isn't made up stuff. They know who they came from. All right? And we'll talk about it in just a minute on, on the Arab side. But we don't end there. They continue back from, uh, from uh, Abraham. I lost him in my eyes. Here we go. Then we had, he was a son of Terah, Nahor, Serug, Ru, Peleg, Amor, Selah, Canaan, whatever. I can't say the next one. Shem, who was the son of, guess who? Noah. All right, Noah isn't a fictional character. I mean, people are saying, well, it's just a fictional story. No, it's not. Not according to the Bible. These were real life people. All of this has been tracked. That's the old fat part of your Bible. The Old Testament, and they kept track of how all these people were. And who was because they were really into that, this genealogy. We get to Noah. Well, who was Noah's daddy? Lamech and Methuselah. Now, this is before the flood. This is when, before the ecosystem changed, people lived very long lives. Methuselah actually is the oldest recorded human being. He lived over 900 years. So whenever you refer to someone old like Pastor Joe, <laughs> we, we call him Methuselah around here. All right. So um, we got Methuselah, who was the son of Enoch, uh, Jared. He started selling diamonds way back then. <laughs> Stupid joke. You forget it. Okay. Mahalia, Enosh, Seth, who was the son of who? Adam. They literally can trace everything all the way back to Adam. These were not fictional characters. They tell you who they were, how long they lived, how old they were when the next one was born, how long they lived, how old he was when the next one, all the way up to Jesus. It's fast. That's all in that fat part of your book. The Bible. All right? Now, let's go back now to Genesis, the 15th chapter. So the first 14 chapters are all talking about, uh, you know, the flood and everything. It's up to this point. Now we get to 15, chapter 15, 14, 15, and, and we are introduced to Abraham. At this time, his name is Abram. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. And this is when God promises Abram that he is going to be the father of a great nation and that all nations of the earth would be blessed through him. And of course, he's saying, how's that even possible? I, you know, I'm married to Sarai, is her name at that time, and uh, she can't have kids. And, and God says, no, no, it's going to happen. In fact, God told him, took him out at night and had him look up at the stars. Say, count those stars. That's how great your offspring are going to be. And every night, Abraham would stand out and he'd look at those stars. And eventually he became so focused that the promise of God became more real to him than the reality of his life. And that's when faith happens. And the Bible says, Abraham believed the Lord 
and he credited it to him as righteousness. This is the first time we see faith now in the Bible. He said, what about Noah? He said, weren't they having faith? Well, they were obedient. You know, these guys would talk to him because God would literally show them, talk to them. But that doesn't take much faith. Even I can do that. Mark, get out of bed. Yes, what, what? All right, I mean, there's no faith there. God shows up to Noah, tells him to build the ark, how much to do it exactly, give him all the details. He God didn't even have to think. He just had to do stuff. Ding, 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 ding. Comes to Abram, starts telling him to go. He just follows him. Just. So that's just all obedience, blind obedience. That's not what's credited for righteousness. And by the way, don't be one of these Christians who always thinks God has to tell me everything to do. I'm just waiting for God to tell me, God to tell me, God. They, there's a lot of people that just like to live in the world of obedience. Now, we need to be obedient without question. God tells you to do something, you need to do it. But don't be chasing that all the time. That's, that's the flesh to a great degree. That wasn't credited as righteousness. What was credited as righteousness was faith, where he just trusted God. He gave him a promise. Abraham believed that promise. And I guarantee you, I know some of you are facing some really strong things in your life, okay? You know, you got physical challenges, you got emotional challenges, you got financial challenges, all the different things. And sometimes our problems can seem to be just overwhelming and they seem so big. And we, we say, oh, God, help me. And we tell you, everybody pray for me. Oh, and it's good that people pray for you. But do you want to really have victory? At some point, those problems have to become smaller and God has to become bigger. And you do that by reading the Bible, focusing on God's promises and thinking about these promises, meditating on these promises to the point like Abraham counting the stars to where God's promises become more real to you than the problem that you're facing. It's called faith. That's when God shows up and does things. Our life's always been like this. You know, many of you know my wife's been uh, challenged for 20 years now with cancer and they're always telling us the world's going to end and stuff like that and okay but she's still here and she's looking very good this morning hi sweetie and uh say well what if she dies hey we're all going to die all right at some point everybody checks out but the reality already this has been an incredible miracle and the reason we don't freak out and i'm not i'm just being honest with you as honest as we can god's promises is are bigger to us than the situation we're looking at that's why there's favor. That's why there's success. That's why we move forward. As long as your problem is the biggest thing you see, you can't have faith. You need to be like Abraham. Focus on the stars. Focus on God's promises. When that becomes bigger, that changes everything. Now, this is one of the most major points of the Bible. Talk about a significant event. This is where faith is introduced. This is the concept. This is what changes everything. Because when Jesus comes, we now come to Jesus by faith. Now, see, they kind of got messed up on this because about four or 500 years after Abraham comes Moses. Moses brings the Ten Commandments. Do this, don't do this, I'll bless you, I'll kill you. You know what I'm saying? All this intense stuff. And they followed, and everything to them became about the rules. And then finally, when Jesus comes, now it's about faith. And the Jews had a real struggle. It's one of the main reasons that Jews... Uh, haven't accepted Christianity. It messes with them that it's not about do 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 Also messes with them this idea that people like us can come to faith because we're not Jews and we don't have to obey the rules. It really messes with them. And, and, and Paul, if you would come to our Wednesday night Bible study, you'd know this. Paul, we've been reading, says, look, the reason we know it's by faith now is because it all traces back to Abraham. This is like the biggest deal. It all traces back because the Bible, God said, through all nations will you be blessed because of you. Well, Israel is just one nation. What was he talking about? He was prophesying the time that everybody will be able to come to Christ. 
come to God through Christ, by putting their faith in Jesus, we can all now experience God. Praise the Lord. Big stinking deal. All right. So that is like the major event. Now, continuing on, chapter 16. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So they knew God had promised this. And it's not like they're spring chickens at this point, okay? Abraham's like 85, 86 years old. And she's, you know, coming up along behind. And they're thinking, you know, man, maybe we should do something. So she says to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. So go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abraham goes, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Abram, after he'd been living in Canaan for 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, said, here you go. And verse 4, it says he slept with her, Hagar, and she conceived. God comes to Hagar, verse 11, angel of the Lord says to her, now you're pregnant. You'll give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. And he prophesies about Ishmael. He will be a wild donkey of a man. <laughs> I know if you guys like that. Wild donkey of a man, his hand will be against everyone. And everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward his brothers, which, of course, will become the Jews. And this is where the Arab line is traced. Say, how do you know that? Even the Arabs will tell you this. Ask any Muslim, where do they trace back? All the way to Abraham through Ishmael. All right. So Abraham now, he's going to have a son called Isaac. This is the Jewish nation. Abraham has a son, Ishmael. That is the Arab nation. And they've been at each other's throats ever since. Turn on the news and see what's going on. It's just it's unbelievable. All of it traced back to here. So it's a significant event. So Hagar, verse 15, bore Abram a son. And Abram gave him the name Ishmael to the son he, she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Now, Abraham, Abram's thinking, okay, this is it. This is how I got the child, and now God's going to bless through this. So now in chapter 17, next big deal. This one's kind of funny and odd. When, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. You notice he's not appearing to him every single day, okay? <laughs> big chunks of time going by here. Now he's 99. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. And I will make a covenant between me and you, and I will greatly increase your numbers. This is great. This is cool. Verse 10, he says, this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you're to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Okay. Now, this is very radical. And when you read it, really? This is your sign? I mean... I tell you, God knew how to get a guy's attention. I'll tell you that. <laughs> right? Can you imagine poor Abram selling this to the boys? <laughs> guys, God's going to make a covenant with us. We're going to be a special people. Woo! Yes! All right. And he's given us a sign. Nobody else is going to have this sign. It's going to be our sign. That's fabulous. What is it? A haircut? <laughs> Some kind of tattoo? Well, man, what is it? All right, well, now, God, God 
wants us to cut off the end of our wieners. <laughs> Can you imagine what a shocker that would be? Abraham passing this around. The guy's looking at each other. You cannot be serious. I mean, no one has ever done this before. There's been no trimming of nothing. You know, like, what? Now, it's bizarre from our worldview. What a strange thing to do. I don't know. I, again, God surely knew how to get a man's attention. And this was the sign. And, wow. So while he's talking about this, now he says, now I'm changing your name from Abram to Abraham. That's where we get the name Abraham. So now he's Abraham. And he also says about Sarai, verse 15, he says, God says to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you're no longer to call her Sarai. Her name shall be Sarah. So now it's Abraham and Sarah. And I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. And Abraham fell down and he laughed to himself, saying, you've got to be kidding me. Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Now that's conceivable, actually. A man can sire a child away into eternity as long as the plumbing's all working. All right. But at some point, a woman, you know, it's closed for business. You know, just the circus has moved on. Okay. <laughs> Everything's closed up. Ain't nothing working anymore. So Sarah, Sarah has already hit, you know, everything's moved out of town. And, and, and Abraham laughs. Now, God doesn't yell at him. It's interesting because sometimes in the Bible, you'd hear someone laugh and they'd get in trouble. Uh, when they're, well, God would say something so bizarre, they'd, they'd just, it was beyond, they'd laugh and they'd get in trouble. Abraham didn't get in trouble. I don't know why. One, uh, some, uh, you know, commentator I was studying, you know, said, oh, he laughed because he rejoiced. Yes, this is the promise of, no, that's not what he did. He thought, you got to be kidding me. I'm 99. Now you show up with this, right? I got to tell you, God is great. He's powerful. He can do anything, but sometimes his timing seems horrible, right? It's like, hello, <laughs> hello, <laughs> where are you? You just got to hang in there. God's made this promise. They went ahead and took care of it themselves. Sarah says, here, take, the, take Hagar. Let's get this going, you know. But then God shows up 15 years later. says, no, 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 no. Sarah's going to have it. Abraham's going, really now? And God said, yes, it's going to be him. Okay. Now, on that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household and or bought with money every male in his household and circumcised them. As God told them, Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised. Ow. And Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that very day. And by the way, there are two major religions in the world for religious reasons that circumcise men. Jews and Muslims. Why? They both do it. Because they trace everything back to here. Abraham. And they both do it to this very day. So Ishmael was circumcised. Abraham was circumcised. Everybody was circumcised. Eventually, Isaac comes. Uh, and he is circumcised as well. And the tradition becomes on the eighth day. When Jesus when was eight days old, they brought him to the temple. And he was circumcised. 
Paul, if you come to our Wednesday night Bible studies, would know he boasted himself as a Hebrew who was circumcised on the eighth day. I mean, that's the tradition all the way back to this very moment. It is absolutely fascinating. And Jews to this day still on the eighth day circumcise their males. But now here's the important thing. We're about to read, we'll pick this up next Sunday, where uh, the promise comes that Sarah is going to have this child. And it's really rather interesting. We'll, <laughs> we'll read that next week. But, uh, but now it's about the promise again. It's about faith again. I mean, it was faith in the first place that he thought this would even happen, but then they kind of took things under their own hands, trying to help God out. You'll get in trouble when you try to help God out sometimes. You know what I'm saying? We think, well, I know God was, but I'll try and fix it myself. And sometimes it doesn't work. Uh, and this is what Abraham did. He and Sarah both together got Haggai, Hagar and winds up with Ishmael, who they're tormenting each other to this very day. Turn on the news when you get home. There's the Arabs and the Jews going at it. All right? Uh, all the whole Muslim situation, all that extremism, all born from this wild donkey of a man. All right? But now you've got two nations that are going to start up. You've got the Arab nation and you've got the Jewish nation. The Arab nation was done under the power of man trying to do things himself. But when it comes to Israel, it's born out of faith, even Israel. Now, they kind of lost this because once, when Moses comes along, they make it all about the rules. Ten commandments, da 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 and they just got so obsessed by the rules. When Christianity comes, that's all supposed to change. The irony of it, and there are Christians to this very day, they still get up, caught up in all the rules, and they miss it. How did that happen? How did Christianity get into it? Well, I need to be baptized, and then I need to be, you know, this and that, and da, 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 and do that, and punch all the buttons, and, and, and Christianity just becomes about rules. And a lot of people in church say, well, you know, I'm just trying to be better than I am bad, and that's how I'll go to heaven. I'll be better than I They're trying to do it all by the power of Hagar. They're trying to control everything themselves, but it doesn't work. You can be a Christian just following all the rules of your church and your organization, and you'll miss this whole thing. It's still about faith. It's all about Jesus on that cross, the Messiah that was promised from the get-go to Adam and Eve. Eventually trace all through here on that cross, and now all men and women all over the world, regardless of their nations, can now experience God. Don't get caught up in a version of Christianity that you think it's all about following a bunch of rules and regulations and so It's not about that. Now, there's things we need to follow. There's basic Christian morality. That's very, very clear. But this isn't about rules and regulations. It's all about faith. You see, all this was born from faith. The whole Jewish nation wouldn't exist if it weren't for the fact that Abraham believed God. And then when it seemed impossible, 99, what was she, 90? I came 80, whatever it was. Uh, and what do you see her response? She also laughed because you, you, know, you gotta be kidding me. And we'll pick this up and we'll see as we start following this incredible path that eventually leads to the Messiah. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Help us to learn the truth of your word and help us to understand these things so we can understand our faith, understand where we came from, why we're here, and how we got here in the first place. Lord, we're so grateful that we can know you. Lord, I pray for people right now, over in Stevens Point this morning, Appleton this morning, watching us on television, internet, all over the world, people right here in this room, they're going through some really big challenges and major struggles. And God, they seem overwhelming to them. Lord, I pray 
that they would grasp this concept this morning, that they must get to the place where God's promises become more real to them than the, promises they're, than the problems that they're facing. Just like it happened for Abraham, it still happens that way to us. Help us, Lord, to believe you so that faith can come and that the power of God and miracles can come when we believe you more than we believe the very things we see right in front of us. Oh, God. And for those who are listening to me right now, maybe good people, maybe not so good. I don't know. Maybe they've been in church all their life, pushing all the right buttons, twisting all the right knobs, trying to follow all the rules. But they've made it about the rules. They haven't really had faith. I pray that they would experience faith this morning, release, release faith in their hearts, Father, that they might come to Jesus and truly know you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. See you next Sunday.